Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Aren't we glad to have the Barrientoses with us from Guatemala? Come here. Amen. Amen. I don't say it casually, but he's an apostle of the Lord to that region. Praise the name of the Lord. We appreciate Brother Noe Barrientos. So glad that he's in town. Amen. It's good to have Olivia. She's going to be on a youth camp this week, our missionary to Guatemala. Come here, Olivia. Amen. Sister Zion Barsati, I want you to come, come up here with us. We're so glad that she's here. Praise God. Would you honor them right now? We're so glad they're here. But listen, he's an on-time God, and what he did 2,000 years ago, he's still doing. Tell them what happened this morning when you preached the message. Was it in Columbus? Yeah, tell them what happened at church when you were preaching this morning. God bless you, church. Uh, I was not supposed to go to preach to this church in Columbus. Uh, Brother Tar Clark, we're here. Oh, there he is. He's a witness. He's the one that drive me down there. Uh, yesterday, I just happened to feel to call this pastor and say hello to him. And I said, I just called him to say hi to you. And he said, well, let me abuse my, friend, my friendship. He said, can you come to preach to us? So as soon as he hung up the phone, God gave me the message. And I told my wife, I said, God, just give me the message. God's got a plan. So we went there this morning and uh, began to preach in 2 Kings chapter 7 about the four leper men. This, this man, they was, they was going to die, but they decide to do something before they die. So I was, I was testifying about, like, when you want to get out of the situation, you can do something. So the title is, let's do something. And so I began to preach and preach, and the Holy Ghost took over, and, and the end of the service, uh, they invited us to eat in the basement, and this lady told us, and he went with the pastor and he said, you know what? I was not coming to church because I was on the wheelchair. They gave me a wheelchair, they gave me a walker. And this morning he said, I cannot wait to get to church. Something was in me that I need to be in the church. And they don't even know that I was supposed to be there. But God is God and he knows. So the lady came this morning. She was not able to walk because one of her leg was dry out. That's how she's explaining in Spanish. Her leg was dry out. She was not able to drive a car because her leg. And I saw she run into the pastor and told him what happened. She said, Pastor, look, now I can jump. I can run. God has healed me. And Brother Tar Clark was there. He's a witness. God healed. Because I told him, I said, look, when we was without Christ, when we want to go and get high, we find the money somewhere, and we find the way to do it. We want to get uh, crack cocaine, we'll borrow the money. I say, so in this situation, we must find out how we can get out of the situation, and the only solution is Jesus Christ, but you have to do something. You have to do something, just like those four men, they did something. They say, if we want to go, if we, we went to the enemy's camp, if they kill us, well, we will die. If they give us the life, we will live. But we're going to go and see what can happen. And guess what? When they decide to make the step, when they decide, I don't want to live like this no more, they made the step and God was ahead of them. That's what happened with this lady. This morning got tired to be a 
and the wheelchair to big with one leg and see me side. Today is my day. And guess what? Now she's testifying of what God has done this morning for the glory of the King, a King, Jesus Christ. Yesterday, today, and forever. If she done it for her, she can do it for you. If she done it for me, she can do it for you. Tonight, if you seek, if you need to get out of the situation, the solution is Jesus. Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus tonight. Whatever you need, he's able. Come on, he's able. He's able. He's able. Somebody shout, the Lord is able. Amen. Brother Braden Duvall told me this morning, he said just two weeks ago, if you didn't know it, he's had a problem with his eye for some time. But during the power of God came on him and he said I am healed my eye has been healed no matter what you need tonight God is able I think we ought to worship the Lord a little while tonight because God knows what you're going through God knows what you need tonight something happens when we call when I call your Lift our hands and love him today. Let's pray that prayer. Lord, we speak that today. Here's my hands and here's my feet. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what we feel here tonight. We worship you, Almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's remain standing. You can return to your seats tonight. Amen. This morning was a service that I've looked forward to for a long time, probably one of the, if not just second to our 80th anniversary that we'll be celebrating in September was the service that a man, Bishop Rod Pamer, will be here speaking about family and, and legacy. And, and this morning was so very powerful what he spoke to us this morning. If you were not here, and uh, I want you to get that and watch it. And our pastors were, that were in other cities, if you're watching, make sure you get online. And watch the message that I already said to myself. I'm going to listen to that this week while I'm traveling. I want to be listening to that. So powerful. Amen. About how to keep your family in church. How to be a person of integrity and making it intentional decisions. And we're so thankful. Thanks for modeling what you preach. And we're so thankful for you. Brother and Sister Pamer have pastored in Barberton for many years. Certainly a legacy church there been very very amazing church still there their son Paul my good friend pastors there now and uh, thank you for taking time to be with us this evening the presence of the Lord is here tonight aren't we thankful for what we feel I feel that call of God that touch of the Lord amen we want you to come and preach whatever you feel we're so thankful and uh, would you give them a great big Anchor, welcome as they come to speak. Amen. He comes to speak and introduce your wife as well. And everyone said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for my wife being here with me. She gave me orders not to have her speak tonight. But uh, she travels with me everywhere I go and I appreciate that so much. What a great church this is. Beautiful music, uh, top-notch, world-class leadership, members, uh, facilities, every, you have absolutely everything. 
Praise the Lord. And that's why you have such a great church. And it is my distinct honor, pleasure, privilege to be here tonight. Thank you for coming. And I, I pray that we have something to say that will touch your heart. I honor our graduates and uh, congratulations on uh, what you have accomplished. And I know that you are just uh, standing at the precipice to do greater things with uh, what you have already found in your, in your pursuit. And I know that God will bless you. And God has given you those talents, those abilities to be a part of this great church and to further the kingdom of God. It's not just to make money and to fill out a 1099 at the end of the year. Not at all. God grants us with gifts and giftings and, and talents and ability and creativity so that we can do more for the kingdom of God. I just believe that. I just believe that with all my heart. So let's one more time uh, congratulate them for what they... Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the Holy Ghost that we have felt here. We thank you, dear Lord, for Pastor and Sister Bounds, Lord, in this great church. We pray that you would continue to bless it, use it that souls might be saved. I pray that you'd open our hearts right now that we might hear what thus saith the Lord. Use us in your kingdom, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. On this very special occasion, I want to not miss the opportunity to address uh, the topic tonight of godly education. In our 2022 world, education and religion seems to be mutually exclusive. This, of course, was not always true. As a student of history, you would know that institutions both of public education and higher education was first established in our nation by religious institutions, churches, and so forth. And the primary purpose in the beginning was that the students might learn to read and study the Bible. Isn't that quite an unusual beginning when you consider where we are today? What a transformation has taken place. Today, many public schools and colleges won't even allow someone to pray. My son was asked a few years ago to say the closing prayer at the graduation of the University of Akron. Uh, his wife, Brooke, was graduating and they had asked him. They gave him specific instructions not to use the name or even mention the name of Jesus. And he was told that. And so he uh, nodded and smiled. And, and uh, I don't think he actually agreed, but he just kind of gave that body language in hopes that it would be misinterpreted, which it was. And so he gave a, a, a very spirited prayer. And at the end, he said, and I ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And since that time till now, he has not been asked back to say any more prayers at the University of Akron. 
But while our cultural diversity of our nation has separated education from Christianity, I still believe that the more I have learned about the world's knowledge in every experience that I have had, I come to a stronger belief in the foundational truths of the Word of God. I more than ever before believe that God's Word is inerrant, without error, without mistake, with, without revision being necessary. I believe that God's Word is true. Is there someone here tonight that believes that? Can you say amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I believe that God created the universe and He is the giver of all life. I believe that he alone is the savior of the world. And those truths and others give me meaning in life. It's not the degrees that I have uh, attained. It's not the position that I may have or that you may have or the dollars that I make at the end of the year. But what gives me meaning in life is the fact that I know that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world and he saved my soul. Praise the Lord. That's the greatest truth you will ever learn. That's the greatest piece of knowledge that you will ever discover is that Jesus Christ alone is the Savior. There was a French philosopher by the name of Albert Camus. Perhaps you are familiar with him. He was an author, a journalist, and was highly decorated. And in 1957, he was awarded the Nobel Prize prize in literature at age 46. He was the second youngest recipient of the Nobel Prize in Literature ever to be awarded this prestigious award, second only to Rudyard Kipling. He wrote that there was an absence of any profound reason for living. He was known for the phrase that life is absurd. And what he meant by that is that life is meaningless. There is no significance to our life. He proposed that uh, suicide would be an acceptable choice for anyone to have because life doesn't mean anything. It has no significance. It has no meaning. Unfortunately, he died at a very young age, not even 48 years old, when he was driving at a high rate of speed in France at 90 miles an hour and crashed his car into a tree. And they reported that Camus died instantly. I guess for him, life was meaningless. There was no significance in his life. But I would say that if he would have found what I have found, the great, praise the Lord, savior of the world that died on a cross that I might be saved, Oh, what, what a revelation of knowledge that is in my heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Christian religion, I believe, is not an elective in life's curriculum. I believe rather that it is not uh, instead, uh, an optional study that can be tested out of. You know, there's some courses that they let you test out of. You can't test out of this course. You can't overshadow this curriculum. The fact that the 
foundation upon which this nation was built and which this nation tries to uh, pull down quite often, that Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior of the world, died on a cross that I might be saved. Can someone say amen? amen. The great English poet T.S. Eliot wrote, Western civilization rests upon Christianity as a house rests upon its foundations. I know if you've come through any type of higher education and even unfortunately in our public schools, you are taught something that is contrary to that, that there is no place in modern day 2022 for any type of religion or Christianity. But I would uh, propose to you tonight, I would declare for all to hear that this still is a Christian nation, I believe, and the blessings of God has been upon it because of the foundational principles that it was built upon. Praise the Lord. I'd like to turn your attention tonight for just a few minutes and talk about the omniscience, the knowledge of God. I'm pulling from a scripture in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. It's perhaps something that is familiar to you. It's a little bit of an unusual passage. Beginning in verse 6, we read, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Farthing, of course, was uh, the smallest of coins. It says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You see, sparrows was something that was insignificant and unimportant in the days of Jesus. But this passage here speaks specifically about the omniscience of God. Omniscience is the attribute of God by which God perfectly and eternally knows all things which can be known, both past, present, and future. Wouldn't that be a wonderful, just a little bit of that uh, characteristic as we go through school? God has all knowledge, past, present, and future. That means that God knows everything that has happened and everything that will happen. He knows when we do things for the wrong reasons and when we do things for the right reasons. God's knowledge, you see, differs significantly from ours. And I want to explain this to you so that we understand the omniscience of God. First of all, God's knowledge is intuitive. It's not knowledge that is learned or expanding. You see, intuitive knowledge means that he just knows. He doesn't have to observe like we do. He doesn't use reasoning. He doesn't use comparison or induction or deduction and so on. In other words, he doesn't learn. We learn things. We gain knowledge. We increase our knowledge. But God's knowledge is intuitive by which is meant that it is innate and immediate. God does not learn, he just simply knows. So first of all, God's omniscience is intuitive. Secondly, God's knowledge is simultaneous. 
He sees things at once and in their totality. Whereas we know only as knowledge is brought before us. And, and we, we gain maybe almost like a, a video understanding of, of things that, that come before us. And, and we learn perhaps one bit after another. But God's knowledge is simultaneous. He sees it all. Let me give you an example. If God were, were to tell us that he could number the grains of sand on the seashore or the number of stars in the sky, he would... Uh, Expect if we were going to ascertain that information, we would have to employ an army of accountants as we would begin to count the, sand, the grains of sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. At best, we could only estimate something like that. But God's knowledge is simultaneous. When it says that he knows the grains of sand, he knows the number of the grains of sand. He hasn't counted them. He hasn't had the angels count them. He hasn't numbered the, the, the stars in the sky by, by counting them. He just knows. He just knows. God's uh, omniscience is simultaneous. Thirdly, God's knowledge is independent, not dependent. You see, our knowledge is dependent on information that comes to us or whether or not it is accurate or whether or not it is changing, or whether or not I am, I am putting together this uh, group of information, informational facts, and whether I come to the right conclusion. We are dependent upon what we learn. God's omniscient is independent. He doesn't rely on anyone or anything or any bit of knowledge that may or may not be true. He knows his omniscient is independent and then i would say fourthly that god's knowledge is infallible it's not subject to error many times we make a, a mistake in judgment but it's based on the knowledge that has been brought to us or perhaps our perception or maybe something has changed but god's knowledge is infallible his omniscience is infallible. We read in Psalm 147 that God telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by names. Great is our God and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And then finally, I would say that God's omniscience is more than that. Praise the Lord. It's not finite. It's not partial, but it's complete. Romans chapter 11 tells us, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God's knowledge is infinite. There is no limit to the knowledge of God. You see, there is no secret of the human heart. There is no thought of the mind that we might have or no feeling that we even have in our soul that escapes his gaze. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 94, God that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He's the one that created the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, 
Shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. You see, omniscience is an attribute of God by which God perfectly and eternally knows all things which can be known, past, present, and future. I like the way I don't uh, often read the message version of the Bible, but I like the way that it uh, interprets that passage that I just read. It's a little disrespectful, you might say, but, but I still like it. It says this concerning those that would question God's knowledge. Well, think again, you idiots, you fools. How long before you get smart? Do you think the ear maker doesn't hear or the eye shaper doesn't see? Do you think the trainer of nations doesn't correct? The teacher of Adam doesn't know? God knows. God knows. God is omniscient. So first of all, this passage that I read in Luke tells us that God is omniscient. He knows all the sparrows. He knoweth each and every one of them. But there's something even greater to the knowledge of God that I want to mention tonight. Something that comes home to us uh, very uh, uh, powerfully. You see, it says in that passage, is not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God? I might just pause and say, in one of the other gospels, it talks about two sparrows being sold for one farthing but then five sparrows are sold for two par farthings. It sounds as if they're having a sale on sparrows, but really what it was is that a farthing was very insignificant, but even less significant was a sparrow. And so if you would, were willing to part with a farthing, you would get two sparrows. But if you were willing to spend two farthings, it doesn't mean much, so we're just give you five sparrows instead. It gives us a little bit of an understanding of how insignificant a sparrow was. This little creature that is mentioned here is perhaps the most insignificant creature that Jesus could have brought into this passage to explain to us this aspect of God. And it's because of its utter insignificance to bring out a truth that just overwhelms the reason that we have he takes something out of the immense universe an object that is so poor so small that nothing could be less important than a sparrow and he illustrates a truth that God is so omniscient that he knows the sparrows he knows the sparrows in this endless expanse of the universe, he knows the sparrows. But in addition to that, in this endless universe, there is nothing so minute that it is overlooked or forgotten by God. I want you to capture that and understand that. You know, as we go through school, there, there are uh, bits and pieces that we learn along the way. You can't, or most of us can't comprehend everything. And so at, at the end of 
of a semester or perhaps a grading period, we, we go back and we review everything that we've studied. We, st we study it over again. Why? Because we have forgotten a good part of the information that was taught to us. That never happens to God. It says here that not one of them is forgotten. That, that's a, a striking phrase, that not one of the sparrows is forgotten. And there are many other passages in Scripture that have a similar meaning. We, we just read one here. It says the hairs of your head are numbered. Hebrews chapter 4 says no creature is hidden from his sight. Isaiah 46 says I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning. These are all proof of God's omniscience. But they don't really bring home the understanding of the sparrow. Speaking of the sparrow, he says, not one of them is forgotten. This is more than knowledge. It's more than even greater and greater than omniscience because of what God is talking about. The sparrow that is mentioned here in Luke, the chapter, uh, chapter that I cited, Luke chapter 12, is called the Passer Domesticus. It is one of the most common animals in all of the world. It is found throughout Northern Africa, Europe, the Americas, much of Asia, and in the lands of the Bible. In fact, the passer, or the sparrow as it is called by us Americans, that is used here in Luke chapter 12 by Jesus, is believed to have first arisen very near to where Jesus had his ministry. They find, uh, skeletal remains that are no doubt thousands of years old and the oldest is in fact in a cave in Israel it's the oldest skeletal remains of the sparrow they are certainly far more abundant than human beings there are more sparrows than there are people in the world it's no doubt the most common bird in all of the world and one of the most common life forms in all of the world. Sparrows have been seen just in the most remarkable places. They have been found on the 80th floor of the Empire State Building. They have been spotted nearly 2,000 feet under uh, the ground in a coal mine in England. Ornithologists are not even sure how many different kinds of birds there are. They assume there's about 10,000 species, but without question, the, the sparrow is the most prolific in all of the world. It's the most common. It is estimated that the sparrow's numbers certainly exceed 3 billion in the world and probably two or three times that. They are so common they can't even be numbered. Now, I want you to imagine, if you would, for just a moment, if there was indeed a pet sparrow that someone had taken in, let's say in the days of Scripture, in the days of Jesus. Of course, because of the, uh, the conditions back then, you didn't go out and spend eight or nine hundred or three thousand dollars for a dog like some people do today. Not the Pamer family, but some people do. But back then, you, you, you would never spend money on a, on a pet. So a young boy comes home one day and his father uh, 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 comes in from, from working in the fields and the young boy wants a pet. 
The only thing that is available to him perhaps is a sparrow. So he captures that sparrow. It becomes something that takes his interest. He comes home and he feeds it every day. It becomes a part of the family. They, they give it a name. They, they have a place for it in, in uh, the nighttime. He probably sleeps in, near the boy's bed. It becomes something that is very special to that young man. And while it is very common, it is identified. It has a name. It's very special. This is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is not talking about just some isolated, uh, specified sparrow. But he says of all the sparrows, he says all the sparrows, not one of them is forgotten. Not one of them. No doubt that young boy, he, he knew that sparrow. But Jesus is not talking about a specific pet that he knew of as a boy. No, as the mighty God, Jesus says of all the sparrows, not one of them is forgotten. I want you to think about that. If Jesus said that in Luke chapter 12, that not one of them would be forgotten, I want you to know that, first of all, it tells us that he is indeed omniscient. He knows about billions and billions of sparrows. Now, I, I don't believe that this is uh, exaggeration. I don't believe that this is hyperbole. I don't believe that he's just talking uh, out of his mind to impress uh, the listeners that day. If Jesus said that not one of the sparrows is forgotten, I believe it with all my heart, as much as I'm standing here tonight, that not one of the sparrows is forgotten. How is that possible? Because of the omniscience of God. He knows all things. If it can be known, he knows. We celebrate knowledge tonight, but I want to direct you to someone that knows all things. That doesn't have to study for the exam. He knows all things. If it can be known, he knows. Three billion or six billion sparrows. God knows every one of them. And not one of them is forgotten. This is more than just a numerical miracle. Jesus is saying more than, I know about the 10,000 or more species in the world and the billions of sparrows in the world. No, I, he's, he's, he's saying more than that. He's saying that not one of them is forgotten. With the same careful concern that a, a family would have for their pet sparrow, Jesus knows about every sparrow. And he knows about every time a sparrow falls. He knows the fight of every sparrow. I want you to realize the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Now consider, if you will, having said all that, consider, if you will, what does this say about you or me? What does this speak of when we can think about God knows our life, that God died on the cross that we might be saved? What kind of knowledge does he have about each and every one of us? All that you are, all that you do, it's his property. He already has it in his possession. He just allowed you to use it for a little while. And we need to realize how that God knows us. He knows the way that we take. No wonder the writer of Job says, he knoweth the way that I take. And the psalmist wrote, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. 
He understands your thoughts long before you think them. Yesterday, he saw you when you first opened your eyes. He traced your steps and he was there when you made your decisions. He knew and prompted you perhaps what to say each and every word. He knew what was in your heart. If there was lust in your eye, he knew that too. Lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But if you worshiped him, he knew that it was coming from a heart that truly sought after God. He knows and not one of you is forgotten. Not one of you is forgotten. Perhaps you know what you did, but he knows also. You may wish you could forget, and sometimes you do, but God doesn't forget. Each of us live our lives thinking that we live unto ourselves, but really, God knows every step that we make, and none of it is forgotten by God. You may think that your life is insignificant and goes unnoticed by anyone. You see the pastor on Sunday and maybe Wednesday, and you think, I, I don't even know that he, he really realizes who I am, that I'm a significant part of this church or not. I, I don't really know. I assure you that not only does a pastor know because God puts it in his heart, but God knows. God knows each and every effort you make. God hears every prayer that you pray. He is there when you open your Bible in the morning and you begin to read scripture. It never goes unseen by him. It is never forgotten by him. If the sparrows are not forgotten, what you do for the kingdom is never forgotten. And I would say not only is it not forgotten in this life, it'll be remembered throughout eternity. Praise the Lord. God knows every effort you make. What a wonderful God we serve. What a marvelous Savior we serve. Praise the Lord. Oh, he watches me. He knows the way that I take. He knows every problem I have. He's touched by the feelings of my infirmities. Praise the Lord. Why would I not live for God? You're not insignificant. Nothing is forgotten. Know this. That should give us a great sense of security and confidence. I'm not afraid to go out into this world and and speak about the things of God. God is standing there beside me. He's going to give me the answer to any question. He's going to lead me through any problem. He's going to be before me and behind me and beside me in everything that I try to do. If he does not forget the sparrows, he does not forget my life as well. Matthew chapter 10 Again, let me read it from a different version. It says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father knowing. They just fall on the ground. One of billions and billions of sparrows. They fall on the ground and God knows it. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. If one of them cannot fall to the ground unnoticed by God, God knows the trials that you have, the problems you're facing, the difficulties that you need to overcome, the situations that he needs to come to your rescue, the way that he needs to open, the doors that he needs to close so that you don't go through. God knows the way that you take. You are significant in the eyes of God. Praise the Lord. He loves you. He cares for you. He gave his life for you. That's why I live for him. That's why I'm here tonight. 
because I know he careth for me. He loves me. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me and let's raise our voice to the almighty God. He cares for you. He loves you. I thank you, Lord. I honor you, almighty God. I praise your wonderful name. I thank you, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, I would say to Albert Camus, you may have won the Nobel Prize in Literature, but you were wrong. You had it totally wrong, Camus. Life is meaningful. It is not meaningless. I have a purpose in life. I have a meaning in life. I was put here for a reason. I've got something to accomplish in my life. Praise the Lord. And it starts at the top of for living for God and making a difference in this world and leading someone to Christ. Praise the Lord. I have a meaning and God knows all about it. He knows what I'm going to face this week and he's going to be there by my side. Aren't you thankful that you know the Lord? Praise the Lord. Let's raise our hands and praise him right now. God, we're so thankful. Oh, God, you know the way that I take. God, you know the path that lays before me. You know the problems I'm facing this week. Lord, we honor you. We love you. We thank you, almighty God. We worship your name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Graduates, let me tell you something. We celebrate your accomplishment. But the most important thing that you can learn is that there is an omniscient God. That you have been given the greatest gift. And that's the gift of salvation. The opportunity to live for him. And it humbles me when I realize the, the omniscience of God and just the smallest part that I have of my understanding, praise the Lord. But that omniscient God uses that to protect me, to guide me, to keep me. Oh, I, I never, I've never considered going back on God. People that turn and go back to the world I, I've just I've never understood it, it it's, it's the greatest mystery I, and I, I've studied all my life I've gone to college and universities all my life and while I've found many perplexing questions difficult problems things that I don't understand theories and theorems and Whatever, none of that compares. Put the aggregate together and it doesn't confuse me as much as someone that gives up living for God. Oh, I want him to watch over me. I want him to be with me. I want him to protect me. I want him to watch over my children as they go down the highway. I want him, if he watches over the sparrows, I don't have to worry about him watching over my family. I know I'm far more important to him than a sparrow is. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's gather in tonight as we close. Is that all right? I'm going to turn this back to Brother Pounds. Let's all join here around the altar if you would.
Praise God. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Let's all come with our hands lifted. Every, everybody. Just the, amen. Everybody come. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to get our graduate specific in just a moment, but right now we're going to respond to the word all over the building. There's a gathering in. Press, press as close as you can to the altar tonight. He cares about us. His hand is upon us. Hallelujah. Probably one of the greatest insults to God is when you say, I don't think the Lord knows where I'm at. Oh, He knows everything about you and loves you. Let me know He loves us. Praise the name of the Lord. That's it. Let's press as close as we can. Amen. 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 Give room for everybody. The Lord is here. I want us to open our hearts and lift our hands to the Lord right now and begin to love Him. The writer said, I love Him because He first loved me. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know where we're at. You know where we're at, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, God, for you being who you are in all of your power and all of your greatness. Lord, to be omniscient, all-knowing, every detail of our life, knowing what we need before we ever ask you of it, waiting on us, God, to have enough faith to petition you for what we need. God, we thank you. saw the sparrow on on this wise ever and I've never understood the the, the omniscience of God the way I do now after tonight's message but it, it brings me to a thought is that when Adam also took of the fruit and he and Eve tied fig leaves together and hid themselves the Bible says and the voice of the Lord came and walked into the garden Adam where art thou he knew where he was. When he said, did you take the tree? He already knew he'd taken the tree. He was asking to find knowledge or to gain knowledge because he just knows. He just knows. And what's so powerful is that even though he knew, he still came looking for him. Your sin has not separated you from God's love. His love is still present. His love is still there. Hallelujah. The mercy of God, the love of God and the hand of God. While, while Aaron is building a golden calf and Moses is up in the mountain alone and God is telling Moses while Aaron is building the golden calf, Aaron's going to be a high priest unto me. 
while he's building the calf, he's speaking to Moses of his future. God knew both things. Somehow he steps outside of time and sees the end from the beginning. Amen. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. If you could only embrace how much he loves you, despite what you've done and where you've been, he's able to erase that and give you a future. That's what he wants to do. It's the power of repentance. If you'll just repent tonight, ask God to forgive you. He'll give you a brand new beginning. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isn't a Malachi that says he's cast our sins into the depths of the sea, a place of no recovery, some seven miles deep where no man can go. God puts it away where it can't be recovered. Aren't you glad he removes your sin? He removes your past. I want everybody right now to just lift your voice in gratefulness to him that he forgave you, that he's forgiven you and will forgive you. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your care. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what you're doing among us. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving us. Seeing us, God. Loving us and seeing our future, oh God. Hallelujah. Come on, let the oil of gladness, let the spirit of the Lord, the anointing here, soak over your spirit right now. I want you to let God move upon you. His all-knowing, His omniscient, His unconditional love right now fall upon your spirit. Hallelujah. victory he just knows he knows where you are why don't you turn it to the Lord today and say God I need you I know you know where I'm at come on would somebody do that that's in despair or you need a miracle Lord I know that you know where I'm at in the name of Jesus hallelujah sing a song let's worship together Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.